millions of people have lost weight with personalized plans from Noom, like Evan, who can't stand salads and still lost 50 pounds. Salads generally for most people are the easy button, right? For me, that wasn't an option. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. But Noom worked for me. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. You're listening to the Cattle Station Classroom Podcast, where we learn about the North Australian beef industry and answer your questions. So, it doesn't matter how far from town you are, because we're bringing the classroom to you. Welcome to the Cattle Station Classroom. In today's lesson, we're going to be learning about radio communication. A two-way radio is a fairly standard piece of equipment in the beef industry, And for the most part, we simply dial into a channel, press a button, and connect with someone at the other end. In fact, most people only ever use a small fraction of a two-way radio's function. There are many different functions available depending on the type of unit, and then there's things like UHF, VHF, repeater towers, all the buttons and dials, and so much more. So today I'm going to be speaking with Tony Crook from GME. Since 1959, GME has been an Australian-owned family company and remains the only Australian manufacturer of UHF CB radios, with their products designed, engineered and manufactured in Sydney's northwest. GME's products cover a range of recreational activities, from fishing to foil driving and touring, in addition to catering for heavy vehicles and agriculture. Their land category encompasses a range of products, the main being UHF CB radios, both fixed mount and handheld, antennas, personal locator beacons and accessories. Tony, welcome to the podcast. Thanks for having me, Stephanie. So to begin, what exactly is a UHF radio? Look, a UHF radio in its simplest description is an open two-way communication platform. It doesn't rely on any infrastructure. Um, the, all UHF radios need to be interoperable, which means they need to work or talk to each other. So you buy the radio, you put it on the channel that you wish to communicate with, and anybody within range of you on the same channel will hear your communication. Okay. And so at the moment, I'm on a cattle station which has a UHF channel and a VHF channel. What's the difference between the two? Okay. So to be clear, UHF communication is generally for terrestrial communication, so on land. VHF communication can be used either in the marine environment or on land. When it's being used on land, generally the VHF band is used for professional radio communication, which means you need to have your own private frequencies, which you can purchase from the communications authority, and it means you have private communication on your channel or your frequency in that particular area where UHF, as I mentioned, is open and anybody on that channel will be able to hear your communication. And so with the channels that UHF and VHF operate on, who actually 
invented those channels or manages them. You know, I think there's channels one to, we know, we know the public channels on the, on the highways, channel 40, who is actually, is there some control room somewhere where somebody's actually looking after all those channels and deciding there's only this number of channels? Yeah, most definitely. So there in Australia, it's called ACMA or the Australian Communications Management Authority, and they manage what's called the spectrum. So all RF communication. So that involves UHF, VHF, mobile telephones, TV broadcasts, and even your AM, FM radio. So that government body uh, manages the use of the spectrum, which frequencies are used for what sort of communication, and also the channel management within that. Okay. And so how do repeater towers fit into the UHF, VHF um, area? I know some cattle stations use repeater towers. Yeah, most certainly. So all two-way communication in terms of UHF and VHF radio is line of sight. So basically point-to-point communication between devices and you must be line of sight. So depending on geographical conditions, if there's a big hill or a mountain in between you and the person that you're trying to communicate with, they may not be able to hear your transmission. The way a repeater works is it inputs the signal and then it rebroadcasts that signal. So it can enhance or increase the distance that you're able to communicate. You can also link repeaters together. So really the potential for, you know, transmission distance is only limited by the number of repeaters. And assuming the repeaters can see each other, they'll be able to rebroadcast those signals for you. Alrighty. Now I want to get into some of the buttons which we might find on a two-way I always remember the squelch because when you accidentally hit it, it makes this sound that you cannot forget. Um, But I actually have no idea what the squelch button does. I just know that I probably shouldn't press it. So squelch is an interesting thing. The best way to describe what squelch actually does is it reduces unwanted weak signals by filtering them out. So On a GME radio, for example, we have up to six different levels of squelch adjustment. The higher the number, the more the weak signals will be suppressed. When you press the squelch button and you get that quite loud static noise, that means that you're completely opening the squelch. So there is absolutely no filtering of any weak signals. So if you're right at the edge of a transmission and you're struggling to hear people, the the transmissions are dropping in and out, you can hit that squelch button and completely remove all filtration. And what that will enable you to do in some cases is be able to get a message through. You will struggle to hear over that really loud static noise, but if you're in an emergency situation and you're a long way away from help, that may be the difference between getting a message through and not. Okay. And so what about those six settings? Like, what, do you just press the button one through six times to kind of go through the different levels? No. So the squelch button on, on GME radios simply opens the squelch and then closes it again. If you want to adjust your squelch levels, you go through the menu system, one being the least amount of filtration up to six, which is the most filtration. So if you're only communicating with someone over a very short distance and you want to filter out people who might be a little bit further away that you don't wish to communicate with, you can increase the squelch level and it will cut out a lot of that unwanted communication. Brilliant. Okay. And so there's another button, which I have also pressed accidentally, and I'm starting to see a pattern here with me and pressing buttons. (laughs) 
And uh, that is the duplex button. And I actually had this turned on. So I got a GME um, radio put into my motor car earlier this year. And I was trying to use my radio and I remember thinking like, why isn't it working? And I um, didn't realize until I took a picture of the screen and sent it to a friend of mine that manages a cattle station that he was like, you've got your duplex on, turn that off and then it's all going to be fine. So I just thought when I was, I was like, I'll just press all the buttons and surely the more buttons, the better. But obviously that's not the case. (laughs) So what does the duplex actually do and when would we need it? So the duplex function is linked directly to the use of repeaters. So there are designated duplex channels on the UHF band of 80 channels, which are channels 1 to 8 and 41 to 48. Now, if you just want to use normal simplex communication, which is point to point without the use of repeaters, you turn the duplex function off, you can communicate as normal on channels 1 to 8 and 41 to 48. When you put the radio into duplex mode, the radio will receive on the channel that you've selected. So for an example, it will receive on channel one. When you transmit though, it will transmit 30 channels higher. So it will actually transmit on 31. And the reason for that is as I explained with repeaters. So they input a signal on one channel and then they output the signal on another channel. And that's the way duplex works. Now, quite simply, there's may only be certain duplex channels used by certain repeaters in an area. So you need to find out which repeater channels are used in the area and you can turn duplex on or off on those individual channels and the remainder of your channels will work as normal with simplex mode. Okay, so if we're out on, we're out somewhere and we don't know really where we are or what channel the local people are on, but we see a repeater tower, it's pretty safe to say that they'll probably be on either channels 1 to 8 or 41 to 48 if, if they are correct. using their repeater towers. Okay, well, yeah, I mean, at least correct. that narrows it down to about 16 channels out of 80. So at least, you know, if we see repeater mm-hmm. towers, there's definitely, it's going to be a lot easier to find them. Okay. That's So do you find the same buttons on a handheld radio compared to the radios which are mounted in vehicles? Look, it's it's dependent on the model. So obviously the entry-level products, which are uh, quite low cost and quite low power, they will generally have fewer functions than the higher-end radios, and they will, in line with that, have less buttons. But more or less, all UHF radios should have similar button sets. So the most important one is obviously your push to talk button. So the big one, usually on the side of the handset, you've got your channel up and down, your volume control. Then you've got things like squelch and duplex. And if the radio has got a menu system, there might be a menu button, but really they're quite simple devices in their, in their basic form. All UHF radios, particularly from GME are able to work out of the box. Ready to pop the question? The jewelers at BlueNile.com have got sparkle down to a science with beautiful lab-grown diamonds worthy of your most brilliant moments. Their lab-grown diamonds are independently graded and guaranteed identical to natural diamonds, and they're ready to ship to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. Without you needing to read an instruction manual or get too technical. Now, of course, there's many other features in there that you can use if you're a more advanced user or you wish to explore a little bit more. But in their pure form, they're really quite a simple product to use. 
So the radio is really only one part of the equipment, the other being the antenna. What What is the difference between different sized antennas? Are the people with bigger antennas, are they just trying to compensate for something or is it just the people with shorter antennas are trying to make sure they can fit through all sorts of drive-throughs and undercover parking well, lots? It's probably a bit of, bit of all of the above. But in all seriousness, it comes back to, as I mentioned earlier, the way that two-way communication works, being line of sight. And with antennas, the length of the antenna is related to the gain or how much transmission power is able to be transmitted through the antenna. The other thing that is quite relevant when you talk different sizes of antennas is the way that the transmission is radiated out of the antenna or what's known in the industry as a radiation pattern. Now, the easiest way to probably visualise this is a shorter antenna with a lower gain, generally speaking, won't transmit as far as a tall or longer antenna with a higher gain. However, a short antenna has quite a round radiation pattern. So imagine a balloon full of air. As your gain increases and as the antenna gets longer, imagine the balloon getting squeezed. So it will transmit further, but it will be in a flatter radiation pattern than a shorter antenna. So this is really relevant. If you're in a particularly hilly area or there's a number of obstructions, a shorter antenna is actually more likely to transmit over that obstruction than a longer antenna. If you're out in the middle of nowhere and you've got flat plains for kilometres and kilometres, then a longer antenna is going to give you better transmission distance. And of course, there is as you said, the uh, the consideration of people who want, you know, big antennas on the front of their cars and those who want to fit into drive-throughs or underground <laughs> car parks. You can see where my priorities lay. 100%. So, so I think the take-home message of that is that when you're looking to buy something, go and talk to the guys in the shop or ring up GME and and figure out what, where you're really going to be using this radio because it's not necessarily the bigger the antenna, the further it's going to reach. They are, it is, there are nuances there. So you really should talk to someone before you make this investment. So you make sure you get what's that's, going to be best for your situation. That's right. And just further to that, there is, you would almost say, an overwhelming number of different antenna models available on the market. And, you know, even from GME, we have close to 100 UHF antennas. Aside from the length and the gain, there's also different mechanical designs to suit the conditions. So we have really small, lightweight antennas that can be suitable for mounting on the roof of, say, a tractor or a combine. And then you've got your super heavy-duty, really big uh, spring antennas for hardcore four-wheel drives and everything in between. So there's that consideration as well in terms of the type of geographic conditions that you'll be in when you're travelling. But look, the best thing to do is speak to the, the salesperson in the store that you go to and keep in mind that a number of the antenna models that we do offer for sale have interchangeable antenna whips. So you can use one antenna base and have different whips to suit different conditions if you are traveling in different areas. Okay. And I, I do have another antenna question now. So I've seen a number of vehicles with not one, but two antennas. So what's the go there? Because I've only got one antenna on my card. Do I, should I be having a second one? Like, I feel like there's something I don't know here. Look, there's a couple of different answers to that question. So as you already mentioned on the property that you're on, they're currently running UHF, CB and VHF professional channels. So in some cases, the two antennas might be for the two different uh, types of radio that are being used in the vehicle. Some people like to run two UHF 
CBs in their car so that they can have them on different channels. So again, two different antennas required. And then the last one is that you'll see quite often nowadays is a cellular antenna. So you can get portable cellular repeaters that operate in your vehicle to help boost your 4G or 3G signal. And there's a dedicated antenna required to run those systems. I had no idea that you could get two different channels in your car if you just had two different antennas. That sounds like something I would want to do, but at the same time, it also sounds like it might be pretty noisy. Yeah, it can be noisy, but to to be clear, you'd need two radios. You can't have two different antennas feeding into the one One radio. radio. Yeah, There are switches available on the market, but you need to be aware that they do introduce loss to the system, so you won't be able to transmit as far or receive transmissions from as far away. So I just want to jump back to two ways for a minute. As we discussed a few moments ago, there is a a whole range of models out there. Um, In the premium range or the high-end range, I notice sometimes there's extra buttons and extra um, functions that they have. What are some of the things you can get if you kind of go to that premium range? Well, look, the the list is quite long. For GME, we've got a number of, uh, I would say, exclusive features that nobody else in the market offers, and some of those have got some real-world benefits. So in our XRS Connect range of products, we've got things like Bluetooth connectivity, so you can pair your radio with your mobile phone, which is not so that you can answer phone calls through the phone, but so you can do things like firmware update your radio remotely, which means that we can add more features to the radio after you've bought it, and you can simply download that firmware and write it to your radio yourself, which means that you've got a degree of future-proofing. We know that radios generally are installed in vehicles and stay there for quite some time. So being able to add new features to your radio without having to either upgrade it or remove it from your vehicle and send it back to us is, you know, something quite new to the industry. We've got things like voice playback technology where the radio is constantly recording the transmissions received and you can program a button on your radio to play back those transmissions if you didn't quite hear them. There's, there's really uh, quite a large number of new features being added to UHF. So they're not the same thing that they used to be back in the 80s when they first uh, really took off in Australia. No, they sound like the equivalent of a smartphone um, from the old flip phone. Like there's just so many features you can get. So with two ways, one thing I've actually never thought about them um, is that so some have batteries and some I suppose you can charge, but do they require any maintenance? Like should we be... Uh, you know, storing them out of the sun, um, charge, you know, I know with iPhone or with phones, you're not supposed to leave them on charge, you know, for extended periods of time um, because that can actually damage the battery, all those sorts of things. Should we be cleaning it? Um, What about being waterproof and whatnot? Like what do we actually need to do to make sure our two ways last for as long as they can? So there's probably uh, a couple of different answers to that question depending on the type of radio. So with a fixed mount radio, the lifespan is generally about 10 to 15 years on one of these products. Now, our products all come with a five-year warranty from from the manufacturer. However, we know that they last considerably longer than that. And fixed-mount radios have the added advantage of usually being in a nice big protective housing known as the vehicle that they're installed in. So really, for those kind of radios, there's not a great deal of maintenance required. Um, With a handheld radio, however, they they do live generally a bit of a harder life. They get dropped and they get thrown around and, you know, occasionally will get dropped into puddles and all that sort of thing. 
The two that you mentioned, though, that are quite important is, is around the battery. And we do not recommend leaving your handheld in the charging station when it's not in use. Charge the radio up. Once it's charged, take it out of the charging station and don't put it back in there unless it, it needs a top-up. And the other thing which I've got to mention, which is probably the number one failure we see with handheld radios, and that is the antennas falling apart. And that's because of people picking the radios up by the antenna or swinging them around while they're bored. And we really recommend that you don't do that because it is something that will damage your radio prematurely. Absolutely. I'm having flashbacks of me, like looking (laughs) at my radio and seeing how bendy the antenna can be. Yep, everybody does it. Absolutely guilty. Okay. So to finish up, I feel like we've covered a lot of the basics, but you know, there's, I know there's so much more out there. And if I was going to go and make more investments into this kind of gear, I would have a lot more questions. Cause I just, as you said, over a hundred different antennas, um, then you've got different types of radios to like all there's all these different considerations to take into account. Where should people go if they want to better understand the products that are available and which one is right for their specific situation? Look, the best, uh, the best avenue for product information is www.gme.net.au, our website. It's the most up-to-date source of information. It's got a, a huge amount of information on all the different products and their applications. We've got a pretty comprehensive FAQ section where people go, can go and read answers to frequently asked questions. And you can also send inquiries directly to GME if you wish. So, via email or you can contact us on the phone and we also have a network of close to 4,000 dealers across Australia so you shouldn't have to travel too far to find an authorised GME reseller and they'll be able to answer all of your questions. Thank you so much for your time. Not a problem. 